0: Welcome, guys. Y'all can grab a seat. Uh, welcome to Ethos Church, Hillsboro Village. I'm gonna not do the stool thing today. I don't think. I'm gonna set it back there. Um, man, full house this morning. A lot of new faces. Welcome. If you guys are new here, uh, I am. My name is Gentry. I am not the campus pastor here. That's Joshua, who was up here talking earlier. Um, so if you have any problems, take them to him. Um, you guys may have noticed when you came in this morning a little uh, like card on your seat with a QR code on it that says join a house church. That is because this uh, Sunday today is house church Sunday where we have all of our house churches are launching today and you can sign up to be in a part of one of those. If, you are, if you've are, if you been around a church for any length of time, you've probably heard someone talk about house church or small group or a connect group or a community group or something like that, and that's kind of what this is, and if you are new to church and you have no idea what I'm talking about, house church, what we call house church, is something we really believe in, and it's where a group of like 10 to 20 people just gather in a living room to... Uh, talk about Jesus and study the scriptures and just love on one another and live life out together. So in light of that, because it's House Church Sign Up Sunday, today we're just going to take some time and talk about the concept of community. Why is community important? What is Like community in this context, in the church context, and then we're going to kind of use the back half of what's typically our teaching and like response time to actually get really practical about how to sign up for house churches if that's something you're interested in. No pressure, this is not a sales pitch today, just kind of talking through house church stuff. So that's going to be the back half of our uh, day-to-day. Sound good? Cool. All right. So um, a couple years ago, I was hanging out with a buddy of mine, and we were hanging out talking. He's also a coworker. We were in this place that we work, just kind of conversing together. And um, he is not a follower of Jesus, but we were talking about uh, all things that are, uh, were Politics and Religion, and the year was 2020, so you can imagine it was a really light conversation uh, that we were having, uh, talking about those things that year. Um, But as I mentioned, he, uh, I think he grew up in the church, uh, but is no longer a part of the church and not necessarily a follower of Jesus. And in our conversation, he said something that was really interesting to me that really stuck out. Uh, He said something to the effect of, you know, I don't really believe in the church, But Acts 2 is a really pretty picture. I think Acts 2 is really beautiful. What he was referring to specifically is like the last five verses in Acts chapter 2. Um, The kind of five-verse block, your Bible might have a heading above it that says something like uh, the fellowship of believers or something like that. Uh, If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there to Acts chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 42. Do we have the slide for that? Who's got the... We'll get it. We'll get there. We'll get the slides going. Cool. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 uh, is where we're picking up. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and were distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, uh, they and breaking bread in their homes, they received the food with their glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right, there's just five verses, but there's a lot going on there, right? Every verse is like hitting you with a news, something like boom, 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 boom. So we're gonna stop and just kind of sit in verse 42 for a second and just start there. Typically, you, if you hear a teaching on this passage, it's probably centered a lot more around the whole like selling their possessions and giving to anyone as anyone had need and that whole thing, uh, like on tithing and generosity. So uh, that's not where we're focusing today. We're actually going to focus in on something a little different. We talked about tithing a few weeks ago. Uh, Joshua did an excellent job. And so if you want to listen to that, it's on the podcast. But we're going to focus in on something a little different this morning. We're going to focus, start in just verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Right before this block that we have uh, is actually where Peter preaches his first sermon at Pentecost. And as a result of Peter's first sermon, 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus and are baptized, and there's 3,000 new believers. That's literally... The verse right before that, if you pick up in verse 41, has So those who received his words, his being Peter, were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And then 42, where we're at, and they, who's they? They is that 3,000 new followers of Jesus. They devoted themselves to what? To two things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. So we see here that they, these new followers of Jesus, they devote themselves to the apostles' teachings, which makes sense. You know, you like sign up for this like new movement about this Jesus guy. It makes sense that you would listen to the teachings of the people who are kind of teaching about him and all these things. But that's not the only thing that they devote themselves to here. We see that they devote themselves to the fellowship. So both teachings and fellowship. Uh, That term fellowship there is a Greek term koinonia. You might have heard that, might have not. But what does that mean? Typically translated fellowship, koinonia, uh, that's really what it means. But fellowship is kind of an interesting word these days to us. Uh, It's not a word that many of us typically use very often. We don't really say stuff about the fellowship or being part of a fellowship. Maybe if you like, in certain church traditions, that's still pretty common language. But as far as how we just talk normally day to day, we don't really use that word a whole lot. Koinonia can mean fellowship, but it can also mean close association between persons, typically emphasizing what is common between them. And by extension, it can also mean things like participation, sharing, uh, contribution. Koinonia, fellowship, community, is the outcome of close relationships. So, close association with others is what community is, koinonia, this term. And what psychologist Sherry Turkle, she defines community as being built upon shared concerns, so in this context here, that would be Jesus, uh, real consequences and shared responsibility. So this is different than friends. Community is not the same thing as a group of friends, necessarily. Uh, Friends... Or, you know, a lot of times we'll say like, oh yeah, so-and-so, he's my friend, like I see him at church on Sundays, and we grabbed coffee once like six months ago, love that guy. Or we might say like, oh yeah, like Josh is my buddy, we're friends, he's in my chemistry class at Vanderbilt, uh, and he let me copy his homework this one time. Uh, those things are great, those relationships are great, maybe not cheating on homework, but those kind of relationships are great, but they're not quite the same thing as Community. Community is about deep relational ties, ties that connect us to one another. Community is about doing life together, centered in our context around the person of Jesus, and having lives that are invested in one another. Friendship is about talking about common interests, whereas community is caring for the well-being of another person's soul and their relationship to Christ and each other. And that kind of community, that right there is what these disciples or what the apostles were teaching these new disciples of Jesus devoting themselves not only to the teachings and kind of like, yeah, community is like this extra side thing, and not only to community and teaching is like, yeah, it's like this great thing, but to both community and teaching together. This A similar kind of thing in our text is said in verse 46. It's kind of nuanced in a different light, but in verse 46, it says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So day by day, these new disciples of Jesus, they were attending the temple together in Jerusalem where they would worship and pray and hear Scripture read aloud, hear teachings read aloud. We know that Jesus taught in the temple courts. Peter is also about to teach in the temple courts in just a couple chapters. The early church services were actually typically meals that were shared together in a home. Saturday, people would go to the temple, they would go to the synagogue where they would have corporate gatherings, kind of similar to what we're doing here right now this morning. And then on Sunday, followers of Jesus would meet together in their homes and share a meal with one another. And they would do life together. For early followers of Jesus, community was a non-optional, essential part of following Jesus. So my question is, where did the early church get this idea of community? And that it's like an essential, non-optional part of following Jesus. Where did they get the idea that doing life in community with each other was important and gathering for meals and breaking bread and having those deep relational ties with each other? Does anyone anyone want to shout out a guess? It's like the church answer. Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Jesus, when he started his ministry, he went around and he said, hey, come follow me. He called people to follow him. He said, Peter, Andrew, James, John, get out of the boat. Come follow me. Walk along with me. Matthew, get out of that tax collector's booth and come follow me. And this wasn't just a like figurative, come follow me, but they literally followed him where he went and did life with him. They did that, and they did this together, not just individually. It wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm Peter, and I'm over here, and I'm following Jesus in this lane, and James is over here in this lane, and Andrew's over here in this lane, and we're all kind of following Jesus on our own kind of thing, but they were doing it together. It wasn't like, Peter, Jesus and Peter had coffee meetings on Monday mornings, and Tuesday lunch was with Judas, and Wednesday evenings he typically hung out with the Sons of Thunder, but that's a whole, like, different thing. Um, But they did life together. They followed Jesus together, and surely there were probably times that the 12 of them, or smaller groups of the 12, were together without Jesus, while he was off praying up on a mountainside somewhere or something. But we also know that Jesus had more disciples than just the 12 who traveled with him and followed with him. There were other followers of Jesus scattered throughout different communities in Israel. And surely these people who were followers of Jesus, but didn't literally follow him everywhere he went, they probably had some sort of little Jesus community together in their hometown that they partook in and did life together with these other people. So it was the apostles, the 12, who were teaching the new disciples the way of Jesus. And part of this way was doing life together with other people, chasing after Jesus, breaking bread in their homes, establishing deep relational ties with one another, because that is what they had experienced with Jesus and each other in their time together. So Jesus modeled for them what community looks like by bringing his followers around him to follow him together because he knew that following him could never be a solo pursuit. It was never something that we could venture into alone. You cannot follow Jesus in isolation or you won't get very far most likely because discipleship in its very nature is community, is communal. It requires relationships with people. Jesus knew this and he modeled it and instilled it in his disciples to then go and instill in others. So community Is an essential practice in following Jesus. It's an essential practice of discipleship. And it's one that I like actively advocate for in the lives of the people that I like meet with regularly, do the like Monday morning coffee thing with. Uh, I advocate for them to uh, spend time to really dig deep and get into community. And yeah, I did just call community a practice because it takes work it's something you have to live into and work at. In our context, a community is a group of people who despite their differences are committed to living out the way of Jesus together as they follow Jesus and love one another. And this that picture is what like I personally long to see out of our house churches here at Hillsborough Village, at Ethos Hillsboro Village, is people who are just like establishing those deep-rooted relational ties in community together. And we have several like established house churches um, who've been, are still continuing on from years past that are living into this so well without anyone really like prompting them to or teaching them to. It's just kind of what happens when you really dig into this kind of community centered around Jesus. But we long for our house churches to be places of deeply rooted community where people can grow in relationship with each other and in their relationship with the Lord and to grow in spiritual maturity and to transform into the image of Jesus. And community is non optional for this kind of transformation because community is the context in which transformation can happen. And I believe that community like this is something that we all long for somewhere deep down in. Our soul, in our being, because I believe we, we were created for community, not to be in isolation. On page two of the Bible, God says, It is not good for man to be alone. And while it, I believe that this is something we all long for, because it's a part of who we were created to be, as we all know, living into community uh, can be difficult at times, it can be challenging. And I think there are Two main reasons that I see that make living into community difficult. I'm sure there's a lot more, but we're going to look at two uh, kind of roadblocks to community here today. So those two main reasons that I think uh, community can be hard for us are commitment and vulnerability. Two uh, curse words in our society, if you will. We live in a society that is more connected than ever. We've got the internet, we've got iPhones, we've got social media, we've got... I bet if I knew your name in here, I can find you somewhere, and we can get connected somehow. It's just not that hard anymore. And while we're more connected than ever, in a weird way, we're all more isolated and lonely than ever and I think this is due in large part to lack of community in our lives. We surround ourselves with hundreds, if not thousands, of followers on social media, fleeting little, like, interactions of, like, hey, hey, how are you? Good, good, great, which are, again, great. We say maybe to invitations uh, that someone extends to us, like, go hang out, you know. It's like, yeah, maybe I'll be there as we kind of, like, maybe wait for a better opportunity to come along or just the option to, like, say, nah, and opt out and, like, sit on the couch and binge whatever new Netflix TV show. So, commitment and vulnerability. I see as the two building blocks of community are also the two roadblocks to it in our lives. The two biggest obstacles in community, as we've kind of been talking about it, sounds good, but there's something that holds us back. So a word on both vulnerability and commitment, and then we're going to dive into our practical stuff and like, actually let you guys kind of start signing up for House Church if that's something you're interested in. So first, vulnerability. Vulnerability is scary, and I don't think I have to like, dive too deep on that for you guys to understand why that is. Like We all kind of get that it's scary to let people in on our interior lives. Would scary for fear of rejection or fear of being hurt or hurt again, or honestly, maybe a lot of the times because we just don't want to be embarrassed. Like, that might be a bigger one than any of them, just sparing ourselves embarrassment. So we're going to keep people away at arm's length. But keeping people distant, holding people back, only isolates us from others. And isolation keeps us from experiencing healing growth, and maturity. Community is the place where we can find healing. Isolation, leaving yourself in isolation, if you're wounded, if you're hurt, is kind of like just holding someone back for fear of hurting what is already hurt within you. My son, Marlo, he's like a year and a half old. We were playing outside the other day and he fell down and scraped his knee. And it wasn't too bad, but it was bleeding a little bit. So we took him inside and we started bandaging up his knee, me and my wife, Taylor. And it took both of us because as we started uh, cleaning up his little scrape on his knee, he instinctively was fighting us back, swatting us back because there's a degree of pain that was there associated. But what he didn't realize is there is or there can be healing and a better option on the other side. And if you are experiencing pain, uh, I just want to say, I believe that Jesus wants to heal your wounds. But Jesus often, the Holy Spirit, often works through the words and actions of his followers. So you have to be around others, in community, to receive healing. The place that we often have received wounds is also the place that we receive healing. So we need community to receive healing, but we also need community to grow and mature into the image of Jesus. Proverbs 27, pretty classic. A lot of people know it, even if you're not a Christian. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We need others around us to sharpen us, to help mature us into the image of Jesus. We need others around us to encourage us and to strengthen us. And we need others around us to rebuke us and if you're like me, to call you on your stuff. Vulnerability is hard, but I believe that there is fruit waiting for you if you're willing to open up in a safe community but that takes time and it takes work and please don't hear me saying like you should show up if you sign up for a house church show up the first week and be like hey here's all my stuff you know whatever that's not at all what I'm saying or what I'm getting at what I'm saying is at least be open to opening up as you engage in community, as you surround yourself with others, be open to the idea of opening up, but that does take time, it takes work, it takes building and cultivating relationships. I'm just saying, when the time comes, as you grow comfortable and safe around other people, don't be afraid to let them in. But that kind of relationship takes time, and it takes commitment, our other swear word that we're uh, looking at here. So, commitment. I've got a uh, friend of mine, buddy, his name's Tommy, and uh, he believes that everyone, every person, every one of you should have a life motto, a quote, if you will, something that is like, you know, you're marked by this thing. And he indeed has a life motto, uh, which I love. His life motto is consistency creates community. Uh, yeah, I put his name up there. It's pretty cool. Um, so he, he says, consistency creates community. That's his life motto, and it's so true. I, uh, I've seen time and time again the, one of the biggest obstacle, if not the biggest obstacle to really growing in depth in community to people is, commu- is uh, consistency. It's lack of commitment. It is flakiness, dare I even say flightiness. This is one of the biggest obstacles to growing in relationship with other people like we're talking about. Because when people in community are not consistent, there is not the ground there to begin to grow in depth and cultivate relationships with each other. Because relationships require you to show up and to keep showing up, and to keep showing up, even when you don't want to, even when you're tired, even when you've got something better to do, another better opportunity came along. Like, oh yeah, I got tickets to like whatever, or so the, whatever game is on, so we're gonna stay home, check that out tonight. We say we want community, but so often, and guilty as charged, we're unwilling to put the work in to actually put ourselves in the place to grow in community. But I bet if we actually just took the time to show up and be present and like engage with community, at least like, this is going to be a high bar, but like 95% of the time, if you committed to showing up with your community and being there and engaging, I promise relationships will begin to grow in places that you would will be shocked at. Things will begin to happen as you grow in community, which takes a high level of commitment to each other. Too often, though, we let circumstances or other opportunities get in the way and keep us from showing up consistently in our communities. So just decide to commit and show up and literally just show up and sit down and engage. It's not actually that much work to just show up and engage. But it takes patience, it takes effort, it takes perseverance, and it takes a long view of community. Not just like three, three weeks in, you're like, ah, that didn't really gel with them, so I'm going to step back and like slowly drift out. Uh, it takes Perseverance. I I worked in the coffee industry for eight years, up until like a month ago, Uh, and for seven of those eight years, I did coffee education. So I would train new baristas, do other things, and a lot of people are kind of like shocked when they find out, or surprised, or just didn't realize that coffee uh, is not actually a bean, it's a seed inside of a fruit. And it's it's a seed that grows in this little red cherry, and coffee trees are super beautiful plants. When they blossom, they've got this really pretty, like, delicate white flower that matures into that red cherry. But a coffee tree takes, like, it takes five years before it produces a harvestable crop. It takes five years of work and effort for those farmers to cultivate and water and care for those trees before they produce a crop, before they produce fruit that goes out and blesses the world, as many of you can probably attest to this morning. And I'm not saying that community, your community should take five years for you to begin seeing fruit out of it, but it probably is going to take some commitment. Some cultivation and some work before you really see the fruit come out of that. And I believe that over time, as you allow relationships to grow and you cultivate and water those relationships, that you will see relationships blossom and bloom and that there is fruit untold awaiting you if you are willing to put in a little bit of effort. So, that's kind of it for our teaching. So we're going to hop over to some real practical stuff, just kind of chop it there and move on. Um, So uh, Josh, if you want to throw up that. Yeah. So there's two ways to sign up for House Church real quick before we really dive into it. I've got these QR codes up here. Um, There's two ways to sign up. There's the Church Center app, which I'm going to dive into and actually talk a lot about because I think it's important if you want to get even more involved and connected here, that's gonna be important. There's also, if you don't wanna do the whole app thing, totally get it, there is a QR code slash the URL, ethoschurch.org slash housechurch. If that doesn't work, that might not work. Try ethoschurch.org slash groups, but housechurch should work. All right, so the Church Center app, I'm gonna take a minute and actually kind of talk to you guys about that application um, and why I'm gonna be an advocate for it. So the Church Center app is a thing where you can get connected once you sign up, which I'm going to walk through how to sign up here with some of our slides, like step by step what that looks like. But I think it's going to be cool and important because once you guys get in on Church Center, if you... Are interested? If you're a guest here or like don't care, don't want to do this, pull out your phone and like act like it while you scroll on Instagram or talk to someone around you. It's sorry that I'm doing this to you right now. Um, so the church center app uh, is gonna—you're gonna be able to sign up for house churches on there. But you also are going to be able to see other events that our church is doing across all campuses. But you can also filter it down to Hillsborough Village stuff. You can sign up for Open House, which is coming up in just a few weeks. Like, you'll be able to just see that on there and sign up. Open House is how you, like, if you're new, learn more about who we are as a church family and how you can place membership officially if you want to do that. Um, so you can see all sorts of events. There's grow class signups on there, all sorts of stuff. I think it's going to be a really easy way to like continue to connect in with our church family. So to actually do that, I'm going to give you guys a few minutes to download the app if you're interested. You don't have to, again, no pressure, but take a few minutes, you can scan that QR code, download that app, and I'm gonna give you like five minutes to do that, and then hop back with some instructions. If you are downloading it, once you download it, stop there, because I'll kind of walk you through how to do it, and that sort of thing. All right, cool. Uh, so if, if you're doing the whole like app thing, you have got that downloaded. As you open up the app, you will be asked to search for a church based on the city that you're in. So you wanna make sure that you type in Ethos Church and set your location to Nashville, and then both of our campuses will pop up. And if this is your primary campus, you're going to want to select Hillsborough Village. I'm gonna go under the assumption that everyone here, this is your primary campus that you uh, attend. You call this place Church your home, and your family, so once you do that, it's gonna say, hey, make sure this is your church, Ethos Church, make sure it's Hillsborough Village, and then select, this is my church, down at the bottom. Once you do that, it'll be, say, hey, put your phone number in. If you've ever, like, signed up to volunteer, filled out a Connect card, it already kind of has you in this system. If not, you might have to give, like, some more information, your name, phone number, email, that sort of thing, but you should be able to pop in your phone number there, it'll send you a confirmation code, and then you can log into this app. How's everyone doing? This is really weird to do at church, I know. Love you guys, y'all are awesome. If you're new here, we do weird stuff all the time. Probably good to go. All right, so after you put your phone number in and you're into the app, after you put all your info in, it might look something like this. It'll actually probably have you under this Me tab in the bottom left. Uh, For House Churches, uh, you're going to want to click that middle button where it says House Church, and then click on House Churches up top, so one, two. Um, That Events tab in the bottom right is how you would find things like grow classes or open house, that sort of thing, to sign up for. So then, once you're here, you're, this is gonna, yours is going to look different. This was mine yesterday before there was anything actually up. There, you can filter. Uh, you can filter which house churches you see. So if you click that little uh, go back one, Joshua, that little button by the search bar. If you click that, it'll open. This menu, which is the next slide. Select campus, Hillsborough Village, and then these nine house churches should pop up once you do that. Hillsboro Village. Sorry, sorry. You're good, You're, I put, I'm the one that put all these in here. Go to the picture of Joe and Darcy. Yeah, that one. Uh, so, These nine house churches should pop up if you have selected Hillsborough Village. These are our house churches that are open for signups as of right now, that's what I was doing on my iPad was publishing them all so you could actually see them. So if you logged in before we started talking this, refresh it and they'll show up if they weren't there. But here are the nine that we've got going. Um, So you'll see them and then, I'm sorry that you can't see them. Go back to that, no, that one. Uh, here, once you choose a house church, and wait to do that, because we're gonna do something fun here. This is, I'm just kind of helping orient you. Wait before you request to join, but you can click on a house church of one of those nine that you saw, if you're doing a Hillsborough Village one. Uh, and then you can request to join. Uh, when you request to join, there's gonna be an, a field to where you can like type out a note to the person. Um, it would, I recommend, if this is your church family, we are trying to keep Hillsboro Village people connected in house in House Church with other Hillsboro Village people. So in that note, type whatever you want, but start it off with just putting HV, exclamation point, or something like that, so that the group leaders know as they're accepting requests who's Hillsborough Village and who isn't. So put that there and then hit send and then your request is sent. But Before you fully dive into doing that, I'm going to invite our house church leaders, uh, representatives of house churches to stand up if y'all are here. Uh, Tabitha James, sweet. Um, And if you guys, I told them that I would have them just like wave. I'm actually going to change my mind and invite you guys up here real quick. Sorry about that. Okay, so I'm about to, I wanna get all these guys up here so you can see their faces, the people who are leading house churches for us. Uh, these are the people to come talk to. Actually, take time, we're gonna take time. Yeah. Um, I'm going to dismiss them out on the front porch. And one person from each of these house churches is going to have like a blue badge lanyard around their neck for you guys to actually go out and talk to them if you're interested in house churches, do like a very informal house church fair meet and greet, mingle kind of thing. So these guys are gonna be out on the porch, so if you are interested in house church, here are the people, look at these faces, memorize them, uh, and go talk to them out on the front porch After worship, we're going to do one song of worship, and then we're going to be out on the porch meeting house church leaders and signing up for house churches, if you're interested. If you're not, and if you're visiting, love you guys. Thank you for sitting through uh, this entire spiel. Um, So you guys can go ahead and head down the center aisle. Uh, I think Taylor has little badges for you guys. Wow, amazing. Oh, you can totally take the mic. <laughs> All right. Um, real quickly, as they're heading out, we're going to move into our kind of closing time of worship before we head out there and whatever. There is a communion. If you're in the center aisle, there might be communion under your seat, a little bowl of these rip and Sips. Uh, take them, pass them around, and take like two minutes to just like pray with the people around you about community, about house churches. If you're looking to sign up for one, take communion together and we're about to hop into our closing time of worship together. Love you guys.